0: Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 13th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. I'd love to hear all of your thoughts and comments on how to make the podcast better, so feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn, that's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. That's where you can reach out to me to discuss coming on as a guest as well. If you enjoy the podcast, please make sure to, dis- to subscribe, drop a rating, and share with friends. I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, Sarah Campbell. Sarah is the reigning Florida State League Female Executive of the Year and the Marketing and Promotions Manager at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium in Jupiter, Florida. Can't wait to catch up with Sarah right after this break. Sarah, welcome on to the Pulling Tar podcast. What does your office look like these days?
1: Uh, probably pretty much like everyone else's, uh, working from home. The stadium is officially locked down, so uh, pretty much all working remotely. So I have a little desk in my office, or I have my kitchen table that I work from okay. mostly. Yeah, so workers most comfortable usually from day to day.
0: Okay. Do you feel like you're getting a lot of work done at home, or are there more distractions? What do you What are oh, you I'm, thinking?
1: I'm a terrible. I have to give props to anyone who works from home normally. Like I couldn't do it. I get so easily distracted. It, it's not even funny. I'm trying to stay <laughs> motivated, and I have so much I should be working on. But oh my gosh, I am not a work from home person. I have learned that okay. This quarantine.
0: I feel like I wouldn't be good Working from home either Because um, I'm looking to the right of me And my dog is Doing something weird But, But yes He would distract me More than I think Anything else would
1: yeah, see, I don't even have that excuse. I don't have a dog. Like it's just me and my uh, my roommates. But like, even saying that, like, I just find so many little things to distract myself. Right. It's it's kind of crazy. I'm just like I miss my office so much, <laughs> and it's not even. I live like literally at two blocks from mm-hmm. the stadium too. So that's probably like the worst curse. Usually it's great because it's like the world's shortest commute. But now it's like a curse because I can see the empty ballpark and I'm like. I just want to go
0: back. Yeah, I can I definitely feel you there. So you're in a very unique situation where you work for the Jupiter Hammerheads, the Palm Beach Cardinals, and you host the Cardinals and the Marlins spring training games. Yeah. How many games do you work per year?
1: So uh, between the two seasons, because we have the spring training for the majors mm-hmm. and then the two minor league teams... There's actually a total of about 170 games, um, and our staff actually works all 30 spring training games. It usually varies from year to year, but usually we have anywhere between 29 to 30 games, and it's usually about 15 and 15 for each team. Um, So we work all of those, um, but then during the summer season, we actually split our staff in half, Um, so we usually have about 70 games, but then there's a couple of those bigger games that are like all hands on deck like july 3rd and 4th sure um uh, so it kind of equates out to about 80 okay. games during the summer season so in total kind of roughly like 110 throughout each right. year um now we're also in rainy florida so <laughs> sometimes it's less than that because we do have a rain out here or there but that's a pretty good estimation we don't really count them after a while. Yeah.
0: I I can imagine. Um, what, so this is the Pooling Tarp podcast. This wasn't on the outline I gave you, but what's the biggest difference between... So you and I work together in Pennsylvania. What's the biggest difference between Pooling Tarp in Florida and in the north, like in Pennsylvania? Uh, like
1: Pooling Tarp specifically, I don't see too much of a difference, but in Florida, I mean we get like these sun showers where there's no clouds in the sky and it just all of a sudden starts raining. (laughs) Okay. Like have to pull tarp. And like it happens pretty much like we have a rainy season pretty much June through like October for like hurricane season and stuff. Um, and it rains pretty much once every day during that time. Wow. It's like, it's usually quick showers. So sometimes we don't have to pull the tarp because it's only rains for like five seconds and then it's done. But then other times it's like, I swear last August, we we had a 30 straight days of tart pulls. Like wow. it, it was every day straight. So, I would say the frequency yep. um, I don't think it rains quite as much in the north okay. as it did down here. So
0: All right, fair enough. I think this has gone by the wayside now. But what were your thoughts about hosting MLB games if they were to play all the games in Florida and Arizona at spring training complexes?
1: I mean I'd be open to it. Uh, spring training is an amazing time of year. Like yep. it's my favorite i just people get so excited for it because it is the kickoff to baseball. So um I mean I'd definitely be willing to work those. I like you said it's it's all rumors right now, so it's right. really, really hard to speculate. Um but I I miss the game, so any opportunity to host games, whether that's for the major leagues or just for the minor leagues, like I'm open to it.
0: For sure. All right. And you had mainly worked in the ticket department and dabbled in other departments. (laughs) How did you move up to the marketing and promotions manager for not one, but two MILB teams?
1: Yeah, um, I... I probably owe a lot of that from from york which is where i went to school i went to school at York college um mm-hmm. and their program in spe- uh, specifically does a really good job of requiring the students to get involved with the sporting events um and it helps kind of show you the different facets of it so like you learn a lot of different or you see a lot of the different departments and figure out kind of what you like and what you don't mm-hmm. um and while i i liked working in tickets um it wasn't as fun as working on the promotion side of stuff and the sure. marketing. So, um, I kind of learned through the whole process that, yeah, I like tickets, but I, I like the marketing side a little bit better. So when, um, when I was applying for my externship, which we had to do at the end of our uh, program to graduate, mm-hmm. um, I was like, I'm going to go for something marketing and promote, well, not necessarily marketing promotion specifically, but something along those lines versus just tickets. Um, and I was lucky enough that when I interviewed, they, they offered me the position, (laughs) so, um, got some good experience and really liked it and decided to stay there, so.
0: All right, very cool. And can you just go into detail about your duties in season and in the off season?
1: Sure, so, um. Like you said, my title is Marketing promotion. so um, I obviously oversee all of the marketing for the stadium, so um, that includes all internal and external, um, and when I say internal, I mean like uh, flyer creation um, and different collateral. so like brochures, uh, pocket schedules, and different things like that, and then mm-hmm. externally, like the radio partnerships, the TV partnerships, um and anyone that we do external marketing with. Um, So I handle setting all of that up, um, but I also handle, um, and this is in-season-wise, I handle scripting all of the 170 games during the season. So um, I have some roles that kind of handle on the fulfillment side of stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, mainly because so many of the corporate partnerships – entail some form of promotion. So sure. that helps us make sure that we have it built into the script. Um, I also oversee the the national anthem and like the pregame um for the for the games itself. So like we do first pitches and we have this um experience called an honorary bat kid where we take kids down in the dugout. Mm. Um, so I schedule and and um schedule out those for the different games and then I also handle being on field as far as instructing them. Um, during the pregame to make sure everything runs smoothly. Okay. Then um, I also kind of oversee our press box because, again, it deals a lot with the production of the games. So right. um, I am actually the on field MC for 30 spring training games, and then I actually um, MC for about half of the minor league season. Okay. Um, and as such, I coordinate directly with the press box as far as just the overall production of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during the off season, I have responsibilities as far as selling corporate partnerships and tickets. Although it's you know a little bit smaller as far as goals than the overall ticket sales side or sure. the ticket
0: department. Okay. Um,
1: and then I obviously handle with the getting like preparation and different things for the next season. So we, our season pretty much runs like January through March. We're in spring training, and then. Uh, April through September is usually our minor league season so then October, November, and December are pretty much three months of preparation and getting ready for the next season because we we kind of go on sale for spring training in October usually right so it's it's very circular in that sense so um I hope that touched on it I don't know if that answered your question
0: (laughs) it definitely answers the question and you are a very busy person
1: um, I try. I, I get bored easily, so I like having a lot of things to do, so it, it's good, because when I, like, don't, I I get, like, lazy in a sense, so yeah. I'm like, I'd rather have too much to do than not enough, so
0: Right. I like it. How, so, I mean, y- your duties sound a lot like, um what I was doing in Beloit and what Gabe does in William Sport, and uh, that kind of stuff. So how many how many people are on your staff, I guess?
1: Well, so uh, full-time-wise, we have about 40 people. Okay. Um, but front office-wise, we only have about 20. So um, the majority of our full-time staff are considered ground crew because the facility is about 110 square acres. So oh, wow. So it's a lot to maintain. Um. So again, about twenty of those are ground crew members. Okay. Uh, and so it it varies a little bit, but we usually say about twenty of them are front office, as far as like our GM, our AGM, and, and different positions like that. So relatively small staff. Okay. Uh, particularly for operating major league uh,
0: games. Sure. Right? So. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, well, that would be the biggest staff I've ever worked for, but then you got to k- take into account the spring training games and all of that. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. And honestly, it feels small because so so many of us like wear a lot of hats. Like, yep. it, I, you know, it from minor league baseball. Like your your title isn't really all that you do. No. <laughs> it's, there's so much more to it.
0: I know, and like in Beloit, like. Even though when I was director of media relations and marketing, there were plenty of times where I was stocking shelves at the end of the night or something like that in the concession stand. So I I totally get what you're, what you're saying there. Um, and that's the name of the game is wearing a ton of different hats and having a ton of different responsibilities. Yeah. Um, on top of working for two MILB teams, hosting two major league teams' spring training games, Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium hosted the 2019 Florida State League All-Star Game. What was that like? And can you go into how much work is really involved in pulling off an event like that?
1: Yeah, so uh, it was awesome first. Uh, Really cool experience. Um, If anyone ever gets the opportunity to do something like that, I would highly recommend it. Um, But to that point in case, it, it was so much work. Um
0: sure.
1: we, we were I'm um, kind of in the situation that especially with two minor league teams and as busy as we are we actually hadn't hosted it in about 19 years. Uh, oh, wow. So we didn't really have anyone on staff who had been there when we previously hosted. Um so we were basically starting from scratch and it was a lot of work and it got a lot of people involved. It got our staff excited. Um But again, we did that on top of two spring training teams and two minor league seasons. And this was considered kind of an outside event, separate from all of that. Okay. Um, And we had really made it, or I should say my general manager had really made it clear that they wanted this to be a success. Right. Um, So we kind of put all we could into it. And it was physically and mentally exhausting, but it was... Like the most exciting, we we had about fifty eight hundred people in our ballpark, and we hold about eight thousand. So, okay. um, it which was, it was really good for us. Um, all of the teams from our league were there, um, and every one of them gave us great reviews. Um, so, again, it was super awesome, but super exhausting at the same time. <laughs>
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. I've never had the pleasure of hosting a All Star game, but I can only imagine. Um what was it like being recognized by the Florida State League as the female executive of the year? I mean you know it more than anybody else I'm sure. Baseball is a is mostly masculine um yeah. and and it doesn't have to be that way, but I'm I'm super excited that you were recognized as the Florida State League Female Executive of the Year. And what what was that like?
1: Yeah, it was very humbling. It was very nice. Um, it felt... Um, it was kind of that end-of-year um, kind of tribute that really kind of made me smile because like we had done so much work for the All-Star Game. And it was just kind of... Uh, it was nice to, to feel appreciated for that. Um, and I had been nominated before, but we have... Um, the Florida State League has some pretty amazing women that work on the different teams there. So I sure. had never won it before. And I kind of, honestly, I didn't really anticipate winning it uh, this this past year either. I was just kind of happy being nominated. And um, when Ken Carson, who was our president at the time, called me and said congratulations, I just kind of didn't really believe it at right. first. <laughs> I thought maybe he was joking <laughs> with me. Um, but then it set in and it was, it was nice. And, and like I said, after the, the crazy season, it was just, it was just a pretty cool experience because it, it made it all worthwhile. And I was like, cause there were some frustrating moments along the journey, as you can imagine with sure. everything on and it was just like, it made all those frustrations worth it.
0: Um, I'm super happy for you and, and that's fantastic. And on that note, uh, we'll be right back after this break. go back at
1: it yeah i was just gonna tell you a funny story i forgot to mention during the all-star game our lights actually like our our stadium lights actually lost power so we literally like it was the worst thing ever in the middle of the game all our lights went off and then didn't come back on and so we had to reboot the whole system and it was like the most stressful thing and we, we hey. ended up putting our mascots on top of the dugout and had them dance, because our sound system somehow worked, but it was just our lights. Okay. But everyone was looking at us like, what happened, and we were like, oh my god.
0: Hey, it <laughs> happened in the Super Bowl, so it's not... I know! It's but, not out of the just, realm of possibility, you know?
1: Yeah. But it was just stressful. I was actually there when that happened in the Super Bowl, too. That's ironic.
0: Oh, wow. You're kind of a yeah. curse, apparently. <laughs>
1: I I guess I I guess I'm the problem. I must have jinxed
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings back some PTSD for me because on two straight opening nights, um, for Beloit, we lost power to one bank of lights, so we had to really? we had to postpone the game, and that happened. Yeah, it happened two years in a row, and it was the yeah. same bank of lights. So I don't.
1: So they said, because we had just gotten um, new lights, the um, high-efficiency energy ones, mm-hmm. um, prior to that season. And so they had told us we were supposed to have this feature where we could um, hit a button and it would do, like, a special sequence of flashes for, like, a home run.
0: Oh, yeah, which yeah. Which
1: we had done it for, mm-hmm. which we hit the button for it, but it crashed the whole system.
0: Oh, and we were like, oh,
1: my God. Wow. <laughs> so it was, like, the worst thing ever, but luckily it came back on, but it was, like... We were just getting ready to recognize the league president Ken Carson too, and <laughs> it was like the worst timing ever. But now I look back and I'm like laughing at it. Right? During, I was like, "Oh, I hate
0: my life." <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! The thing, the things you run into in minor league baseball. I know, goodness. right? Uh, so, Sarah, you left Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium after you completed an internship there. And you went to be an account executive for the York Revolution, um, who's an indie ball team. And so you moved back to the city that you went to college in, York, Pennsylvania. What made you return back to Jupiter, and how did that occur?
1: Yeah, so, well, leaving Jupiter in the first place was, I was really homesick at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And being 100% honest, my grandfather was sick at the time, so I wanted be closer to family which sure york was yep um so i worked with the york revolution and, and lived with my college roommate uh megan um so it was really good to catch up with her and like all of that was awesome but at the same time it didn't have quite the feel that it did when i was in college like um it just it had felt like home when i was in college and you probably have experienced this too but going back outside of college it was just a totally different feeling and yeah um, Loved being close to family, loved being close to Megan again, Um, liked my job too, but it just didn't necessarily feel like the right fit, Mm -hmm. Um, and so at the end of that season, I was kind of actually considering going in a different course and going back to school, um, and kind of getting out of baseball in general, Um, and my dad actually suggested that I just kind of take like a breather, because I never actually, um, my internship with, with roger dean was nine months so mm-hmm. i started in december of my senior year of college and then went home to graduate in june early june and was there for like four or five days and then went right back to work for the stadium okay uh, so i never really got to enjoy just having graduated college and being like hey i'm i i'm an adult i made it right <laughs> um So I like basically decided I needed a break and just kind of mentally exhausted. So I went home, like I left the revolution. I didn't, I didn't have a job, which I don't recommend, but um, just took a little bit of time to recoup and then like randomly decided I was going to check Roger Dean's like website. I was looking at schools too and potentially Mm -hmm. going back to school. Um, And there was this job posting and it happened to be my former boss's position. Um, and to be honest, it, it had been posted for a while. Okay. Um, so I emailed the AGM at mm-hmm. the time, um, who I knew really well. His name was Alex and I, I think I said something like, hey, uh hope all is well. like I don't even know if you're still hiring for this position, but if you are, right. my rep and I <laughs> love to be considered. And I was like, well, that was a long shot and I mm-hmm. thought it's already filled like they just forgot to update their website. Well he called me the next day and asked to set up an interview. Um, and then two days after that, I think I interviewed with him. And then two more days after that, I interviewed with the GM, and um, they uh, finished the call. And I f- remember calling my dad and uh, just talking to him. And like forty-five minutes after I had talked to him, Alex called me back and offered me the position. Oh wow! So uh, happened really quickly. Yeah. Um, but they said they remembered me from my internship and what I did there. Mm-hmm. Um. And that really helped me, and they offered, and it was, like, I remember telling my parents I it felt right, so I went for it. And I remember the first time I got down there I started, that I also don't recommend this. So we started spring training that year on February uh, 28th, mm-hmm. and I arrived in Jupiter on February 9th, or 8th. Oh, wow. So I hit the ground running.
0: Too. Yeah, for um, sure.
1: <laughs> but Goodness. I remember like realizing it was the right fit because it felt it was it was what i was looking for when i went back to york it felt like home Mm -hmm. and so i was like okay this is this is the right fit and so i I didn't go back
0: to school i just stayed at 15 okay all right so So, sarah what is the biggest difference between working in indie ball and Mm -hmm. the minor leagues
1: um, for me, it was like a sense of security. Um, there's just okay. a difference between working for an affiliated baseball team, where you know you have these other affiliates, and you know you have a major league team supporting you, versus independent ball. You're all you're all on your own, so you have to right. pay those player salaries. You have to keep the lights on. It's it's a lot different mentality, mm-hmm. and um, I liked independent ball, but I I like being an affiliated much better sure it's, it's just a different feeling in a lot of ways
0: right well i would imagine that indie ball if you were in the marketing department you would have in and, and i don't know how to say this because you definitely have lots of freedom in minor league baseball but mm-hmm. you can do more creative things in indie ball because the players aren't Affiliated, you're like you're paying their salary, so you can make the players do whatever you want in indie ball, right?
1: I mean, yes and no. Um, you still run into like the personalities. Um, mm-hmm. There's just certain players that just aren't comfortable doing certain things, um, and a lot of them in independent ball tend to be a little bit older, um, as right. far as age-wise. So they also kind of have families and things, and they're just a little bit more reserved. Okay. so... Um, the theory is correct, but like actually making that happen is a whole different story. I actually, I actually find that some of the younger guys in minor league are very, very open to doing funny things now. Oh yeah. Obviously we get things approved through our major league club. Um, a lot of times to make sure there's no issue with it, but, um, I think, I think both are the same way. It's just a different crowd. It's yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) I get I get she what might, you're saying.
1: Could be wrong, yeah. But.
0: I get I totally get what you're saying. Uh so you and I interned together for the Williamsport Crosscutters in 2012. Are there any stories that you want to share with the listeners of us working together?
1: You know, it's really funny. I don't remember, like, too many stories, but I remember these little moments. Like, um, well, it was always you, me, and Brent, because we were the the interns at the time. Right. Um, And I remember we had to go to that hotel that was, like, 20 minutes, maybe 15, out from the stadium and pick up the players. Okay. it was just, like, circle. Like, I think I had four players in my car, and, like, we just, we ended up being, like, the shuttles for them. Right. And And... then I remember that like Williamsport had a two-piece tarp. Yes.
0: Remember? Yes, so looked, it was a disaster.
1: We had, out, <laughs> we had to roll out one side and then run as quick as we could to roll out the other side and then put those sandbags in the middle. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't think we ever got the tarp on the field quickly. Like
0: No. <laughs> well, just to paint the story a little bit. Is I believe they got those tarps used from the Little League World Series, oh, is, is what I was told. And so we rolled one tarp out from the first baseline, and we rolled the other tarp out from the third baseline, and then you p- put tires where, where it overlaps. You put tires underneath the tarp, and then put sandbags on top of that. And I believe they have a one-piece tarp now.
1: They do. I actually had seen Gabe at the last, uh, I don't know if it was winter meetings or promo seminar, but he had told me they had a one-piece tarp because I told him about that story. And I was like, I hated that two-piece yeah. tarp. <laughs> and he was I was like, the concept was great, but we never seem to have enough staff to roll both sides out at one time. Right. And so it just didn't work. Right. Um, But, yeah, that thing was annoying. There is one, and I don't even remember what game it was, but I remember we pulled TARP, and then for whatever reason, um, we just stood down there and kind of got soaked by the Cutters' dugout. Okay. And all the guys were teasing us. And, like, literally, they came, like, Chase Yamada came out of the dugout and everything, and, like, um, probably Larry Green, too. And I remember Roman Quinn was, like, cracking jokes with us, too. Like, all the guys were just cracking jokes with us, standing in the rain. And, like, yeah. I think it rained out that night, but we were just, <laughs> just hanging down there.
0: Yeah, the I, I do remember, so, we, I think this may have been what you're referring to. We Yeah, we had just pulled the tarp, and we were in a rain delay, And, um, the fans were still sticking around hoping that something, you know, that we were going to play again. And I was, I had made the playlist for the music Mm -hmm. and Chase Numada, rest in peace, uh, comes out of the dugout and he said, he said, put call me maybe on. And so I, so I put, I bring out my walkie talkie and I radio up to the press box and say, Chase is asking you to play call me maybe. So they play it, and he was the best dancer I've ever seen in my life. Off. And him and one of the other players, I can't remember who, was having a real dance off and to the to the point where the fans in the stands were cheering them on.
1: Right. I remember that actually. And that was actually that was actually one of my first interactions with Jeremy, who is the strength coach. Yeah. He saw me shivering because all I had on was a t-shirt and like my tarp clothes, and he came out and he gave me his sweatshirt because he felt that wow. standing in the rain shivering. And I was like, I don't even know you, but you're my best
0: friend. Wow. Um, I had actually ran into. Uh, do you remember Taka? Yeah. He, yeah he he was the trainer, and he had worked um, with Lakewood and. I saw him on the roster when they came to Del Marva and so I went down to the to the clubhouse and said hi to him um but yeah he's he's doing well um you know going back and forth I think he I believe he's from Japan so I think he's going back and forth between okay. the Phillies and Japan um yeah. but yeah I that summer I knew Brent like the back of my hand because him and I delivered every pocket schedule (laughs) and we literally were in the car together from 9 to 5 every day for 3 weeks yeah I remember
1: that because Sarah was like boy they kind of Made the boys club and left you out of it and i was like well they're delivering pocket skills so i'm not really mad about
0: it and for people that may not understand the williamsport area um there's not a whole lot outside of the city so the williamsport crosscutters draw from easily an hour maybe maybe more away so like we delivered thousands of pocket schedules I, it's a uh, thousands upon thousands for yeah. li- literally three three weeks him and i were just in the car together delivering pocket right. schedules
1: and i remember that because i like my hometown is 45 minutes from the stadium because i used to commute in and i we used to go to cross games all the time when i was little yeah and so like the area their reach is crazy yeah and i I can only imagine I forget why I didn't have to deliver them. But for some reason I was like immune from that, which I'm not really complaining about. Looking back I was like <laughs> yeah. you guys complained about it all the time.
0: It was, it was kinda nice to get out of the office, but um yeah, it got it got old after a couple days. Um but unlike you, I live literally right around the corner. Um there was there was one stop sign And a uh, stop light, and if I hit if I hit green, I could leave my house at eight fifty eight and get to work at nine o'clock.
1: Yeah, you're fortunate. I did not. I had a forty five minute without traffic, and there's some traffic. I and there was like construction going on like over the hill, where I had to come down into Lansport sometimes too. Mm -hmm. And I know I always left with like an hour. Before we had to be there because I just yep. knew I was going to be late. Right. Um, and then the only other thing I remember is going on that uh, that like Hiawatha cruise or whatever. Oh yeah. W- wasn't it season ticket holders or yep. something? Mm-hmm. Like, and it, I feel like it was just you and I too as interns. Like I don't think Brent could be there or something because it was after it was after work one day. Yeah. And it was. I feel like it was Gabe,
0: Sarah, Jenny, yep. and you and me. Oh, I
1: don't okay. Think,
0: I don't think Doug was there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I do remember going on the Hiawatha. The Hiawatha is a very historic boat. <laughs> and It's a paddle boat. It's, it's a motorized paddle paddle boat and it it is used for like dinner cruises and stuff like that but it is historic and like everybody knows the name of it and yeah it's Mm -hmm. just it's just one of those things that everybody knows what it is um but yeah that was that was pretty cool um going up and down the susquehanna river
1: and i just remember it because of the boat that's really the only reason <laughs> to remember it. Because like you said, it was just like so well known. And I was like, are we really going on this? Yeah. An and take a holder celebration. But everyone loved it.
0: It's something different. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, to have have a nice dinner and uh, have drinks on a, just sailing, sailing down the Susquehanna River. It's pretty nice. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, those are kind of my. Those are like my memories of it.
0: That okay. And, and
1: Jess, I was going to say cuz we mentioned a couple of people um that we remember from working there, but Jess was the other female intern. She was in food and beverage, remember? Yes. And um she was a little bit older. Like I think I was thinking she was in her late 20s and yeah. she I remember just Kind of talking with her because she'd always be over by the concession stands, which were right across from the team store. And Mm -hmm. like part of my responsibilities were the team store, so I just talked with her like the whole time.
0: Right, and I believe you know I haven't I haven't uh, talked to her, kept up with her, but from based off social media, I think she's the team photographer now for FC Dallas. She
1: is, yeah. She got into well, that was what she always wanted to do. I was um, it always surprised me that when she. Because she was in food and beverage when we were there, and that's not what she wanted to do. She was kind of, like, into graphic design and photography. Okay. And I know she works, um, she's in Dallas now, and then she was previously with another team in, where was she before that? She was with another soccer team before that. Okay. And, um, yeah, she moved to Texas and she
0: loves it out there. Nice. So... All right. Yeah, uh, food and beverage, like, well, minor league baseball as a whole is not very glorious, but um, I was director of food and beverage when I first moved to Beloit, and just to get my foot in the door as a full-time employee, and that was the hardest job I've ever had. I I mean, I wasn't qualified at all for it, but... (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Yeah. it was very physically demanding, that's for sure.
1: I just remember Mr. Bill. He was the nicest. He was in charge of food and beverage for them, and he was just the nicest. He's like, the sweetest older gentleman, like, ever. Like, he kind of reminds you of, like, Grandpa.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. And he knew that stadium like the back of his hand, too.
1: I think he had been there the longest, hadn't he?
0: I think so. Well, yeah. be, be between him and Gabe and Doug because oh, yeah, I was
1: going to say maybe Gabe had been there slightly longer, but yeah, well, between the two of them, they had been there for so many years.
0: Gabe and Doug had moved with the team, so they worked for the team when it was in Geneva, New York. Okay. And then they moved with the team when they moved to Williamsport. Okay. Yeah. So, but so you and I have both ran multiple social media accounts for minor league teams and um, all the social media people that I get to come on here I ask them what's the weirdest comment or message you've received while running a team's social media account
1: yeah so we have uh, like a handful of them because we have the two minor league accounts and then we have one for the stadium. Okay. Um, so we have a lot of social media. But the funniest one I ever got was actually through the Jupiter Hammerheads. Um, and it was a lady um, who reached out with the best intention. But she sent us this message about a baseball seminar slash baseball camp. And it was for U12 baseball teams. Okay. she thought we were one of them. Oh. Um, and I had to be the one to inform her that we weren't, in fact, a U-12 baseball team. We were a minor league team. Um, so we didn't really fit what she was looking for. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> wow. um, besides that, it's just, like, normal responses. Like, like you know what it is. It's like, well, especially when we got – because Ballpark of the Palm Beaches is a two-team facility for the Astros and um, Nationals. That okay. It's 29 minutes down the road from our stadium. Okay. And so now we get comment from their fans who are always like, well, I'd rather watch it at Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. And I'm like, why do you even take the time to comment on our social media about playing at Ballpark of the Palm Beaches? I'm like, people apparently have a lot of free time sometimes, so I I just let it go. It's not even like it's a mean comment, it's just about Ballpark of the Palm Beaches.
0: (laughs) Right, right, well... Yeah, those, those are, you know, semi, semi normal, um, messages or responses, but, um, yeah. but so you're a twin.
1: I am. Yes.
0: What's it like, all in identical twins, right?
1: Well, we, my mom has always told us we're fraternal. Okay. We've never been tested, but I I'm under the impression I am paternal. We do look a lot alike. I will say that. Yeah. And everyone I meet tells me we're identical, but according to my mom, we are not. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, you guys do look a lot alike, but like you know, people say like, oh, twins have like a a certain um, like aura, like like they can feel what the other twin is feeling. What's yeah. it like being in twin and is any of that true?
1: Well, first off, yes. Like it's not yeah. like a um it's not like I know what she's thinking or, or what she is. I just sometimes get these um like feelings sometimes and I'll text her and it'll be like she's going through a rough day or something. And she's done that to me too. So really? it, it's kind of just like a feeling sometimes that I get and it'll, I'll kind of message her out of the blue and sometimes I'm right. And sometimes it's, and that ends up being nothing, but, um, they, there is that. Yeah. Um, but overall being a twin is probably the best and worst thing ever. <laughs> um, it's the worst because she is single handedly the one person who knows how to get under my skin the fastest. Sure. Um, but it's also the best because she's like my best friend. She's my—it's literally my the other half of me.
0: Sure, um, yeah.
1: And like, but I'd totally be lost without her. So it's—it's <laughs> it's great in the sense she's my biggest supporter, and I'm hers. But again, she's that one person that probably knows me better than myself sometimes. So she knows what buttons to push. Yeah. she means to.
0: So wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that that any of that stuff was real. Holy crap. Yeah. Wow. So Sarah, where can the listeners find you on social media?
1: So I, I actually have like a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn account. Okay. Um, but to be honest, I'm probably very boring to follow on Twitter and Facebook because I don't post anything.
0: Okay.
1: So um, I kind of tend to stick to uh, Instagram, which my Instagram is just my initials and then my favorite numbers. So it's S-E-C. Ten (laughs) oh seven. okay that's my name all right and then uh, my linkedin my linkedin account so and i really just have that for business purposes so if someone randomly messages me out of the blue on it i'm just i tend to ignore it i don't know if i'm supposed to but but
0: i'm glad you didn't ignore my message
1: well i know you it's just those (laughs) other people that like i'll get these random people like i've never heard of i've never met right they don't send like anything as far as like any indication like how they know me it's totally random and i'm like i don't know you like that's kind of creepy in my opinion right like like if you know me send me a message and tell me you know me and like how you know me Mm -hmm. um because the other thing is i'm admittedly i'm really bad with names i'm good with faces but i'm bad with names sure so sometimes i'll like recognize someone and i'll be like oh okay i recognize who they are um and that I'm okay with. But other times, I'm just like, I have no idea who this person is. I don't know how they found me. Like, we mm-hmm. don't have any common connections. And I'm yeah. just like,
0: uh... Yeah, that is that is pretty weird. Yeah,
1: but. and it just... They kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. And then, then you kind of think from, like, being on the older social media accounts. I'm like, is this, like, a, like a catfish? Like, am I being, right. like, on here. Yeah. <laughs> like, so... Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I get some of those, too. But, well... It's pretty crazy that you and I, we interned together in 2012 and I was still up in, I was in baseball up until November and you're still in baseball and at the height of your career. So congratulations there. Don't know if you've listened to any other episodes of the Pulling Tart Podcast, but we close out every episode with the guest's favorite walk-up or warm-up song that they've heard in your baseball career, and whose was it?
1: Yeah, this is actually my favorite question when you sent me over what you were potentially going to ask because I was like, I knew instantly. Like, I didn't have to think. Um, So... I think it was 2016. It was Stephen Piscotti, who okay. uh, was formerly with the Cardinals, now yeah. with the A's. Right. Um, his walk-up song during spring training was Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. And I remember it because it was so different from all the other walk-up songs. Like everyone else had like these rap songs, right. and, like, these hardcore songs, and all of a sudden this song would come on. And you know how much time they have for walk-up songs. Uh-huh. So it literally would only get to like the front The, the introduction of the like the music part where it's like da 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 and it never got to the words.
0: Did they, so he didn't have songs. them edit it to like a certain point?
1: No, he never gave like an intro time or anything. Wow. He just at the beginning of the song. So it was just the instrumental part and I was like that made it so much better too. That was the best
0: part. So I love walk-up songs. <laughs> I think it's it puts like personality into the game and stuff like that but As a media person, players are real divas when it comes to their walk-up song, so I'm really surprised he didn't say, like, start it at 15 seconds or something like that. Well,
1: that was also the other funny part about it. So he is... Um, or at least in his interactions with me, like I said, I, I'm on the field kind of for the Cree game with uh, what's going on with the script and stuff. He was always very quiet, very kept to himself. So it was kind of, it always seemed so out of character for him. Because, uh-huh. um, like, are you familiar with the song? Like, oh, Yo, you
0: know? yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, like it just, it didn't seem to match his personality because okay. he was like so quiet and kind of kept to himself, which right. really just made it so much better. Um, but no, was talking to that, like um, we've had players, we actually did this to a player last year because um, like now I help with the press box and uh, this one player was giving us a horrendous time of giving a walk-up song and then every song we played, he would complain about it. <laughs> so I literally, I was like, watch, I'll get you a walk-up song. 'Cause we tried to contact him multiple times and I said, Watch this. So I played Barbie Girl. Yeah. <laughs> his up, literally the next day he sent us a message with a new song and like when to play and everything. I was like, Exactly.
0: I've I done that like, before. Yeah. Except except I've just always picked something <laughs> my my go to is like return of the Mac. Um yeah. so like if a player is new and like I try reaching out to them and they don't get back to me with a walk-up yeah. song, I usually just play Return of the Mac, and then the next day, I'll I'll get something from them. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, we we usually do that, too, and, like, we were doing that, and he was still complaining, like, every day that, and, like, but he still wasn't giving us a song, and I was like, right. you know what, I'm just gonna go with the most ridiculous song I can find on the computer, which was Barbie Girl at the yep. time, and I was like, I'm gonna play it, and you're gonna play it every time he comes up, and I guarantee you he'll get us a walk-up song, and literally the next day, he messaged us, he's like, hey, I really didn't like that song. last <laughs> <I was like, laughs> No. that's great I was like,
0: yes that's great well i
1: was like it's like i don't like being mean to them and doing that because i feel like it does embarrass them but mm-hmm. at the same time like, I'm like i we're asking you
0: we all have jobs to do like,
1: you don't give it to us yep. so yep. yeah
0: yep. all right well it was really fun catching up with you sarah and uh we'll close this episode out with save a horse ride a cowboy <laughs> Yes. Thanks thanks to Stephen Piscotti. Alright, thank <laughs> yeah. you so much, Sarah, for taking the time to come on and um yeah, share share with your friends, share on social media, and um yeah, hope to have you back on at some point. Yeah, no
1: problem. Thanks for having me. It was fun. It was kind of great to reminisce. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Alright, well, thank you so much again, Sarah, and uh we'll talk soon.
1: Dum dadadadum
0: dadadadum da 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 you have listened to the Polling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at StoveLeg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. StoveLeg Media, igniting conversation.